Hello, Duke fans. Welcome to DBR Bites, episode number 16. we got a little bit of an unusual thing for you here. We're doing a DBR Bites with all three of us. I'm Jason Evans. I'm joined by Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Gentlemen, how are you feeling today? Sam, why don't you go first? What, what's up with you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I think I had a fairly benign weekend, Jason. I'm I'm waiting to get all the updates from your World Series of Poker appearance. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you in one second. Uh, first, Donald, say hi as well. So uh, to segue into the uh, poker thing, there was a, a, a debate online today about uh, what happens if you go on a first date to a casino and somebody funds bankrolls the whole date. Do they do they are they supposed to split the winnings? And the answer was unequivocally, absolutely not. That's that's that person's money. Uh, so, Jason, uh, I'm only saying that because I'd like five dollars from whatever you got this weekend. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I think that's crazy. Can I, you can split I, the, can you I absolutely clarify split the this winnings. discussion? People are going on first dates to casinos and and playing the games. Hey, it wasn't my first date because I know yeah, how that would have no. ended. It wouldn't have ended it with anybody seems... splitting anything because <laughs> I, I would have lost casinos money. Casinos are a funny smelling place to have a first date. I just, well, they yeah, do have restaurants well, and stuff like that, so maybe it they was do have like restaurants. A... I just I find them uh, they're fun. Well, it depends. Wait, wait, hold on. Like... It depends. It depends on where you are. If you're in Vegas, I mean, some of those casinos are gorgeous, and the shows yeah. are incredible. I can totally see doing that for a first date. Shows? Like... That's a different. But you didn't say shows. We we were talking specifically about casinos and and playing oh, gambling, like yeah. gambling as a first date. And I don't even like the nicest casinos in vegas like you're allowed to just walk onto the casino floor anywhere in vegas except like in the high rollers rooms i guess but yes there's like smelly people everywhere in those places like <laughs> you're like if you like go like i guess like a craps table is like a fun activity but yeah there is such a huge variety of people that could just show up and be standing next to you that i don't know that seems that seems risky to me i i would i would agree with you i would also say that while there are a lot of very friendly, nice people that you will meet in a casino, especially at a craps table where everybody's sort of rooting for each other and against, except for the, the except for the guy who's betting on the on the cum line, don't right? He's betting don't, right? He's betting yeah, get don't. get yeah. get that guy out of here. <laughs> but no, no. But you'll encounter people who like if you do the wrong thing, if you place your money in the wrong way, or something, they'll start yelling at you. There are there are mean people in casinos because to them it's money, money that matters. So. I agree. It's sort of a weird thing for a first date, but I will say this. If you go on a date to a casino and one person funds, you know, everything, I think they should share in the money. That's like, that's staking someone. They've staked you and you should share your winnings with them. That's just my opinion. No, 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 no. This is the person staking the money, not sharing with the person that they brought. That was the debate. Not the person just saying like, oh, I want a thousand dollars with your money. Like, it was like this. She was like, I I spent zero dollars. He gave me 200 of the winnings that he got. She had nothing to do with it. But I digress. I was just I was just trying to get five dollars from your from your stash. That's all. Yeah, every, everything about this scenario seems weird to me. It, I'm, I'm, it, hey, I'm out. I'm out on Twitter on, main, uh, on, Twitter main characters. On or Twitter main characters. I'm probably not going on a casino date. All right. Wait, hey, this is a DBR bites. We're supposed to be speeding things along. Let's, We're let, not. Let, let's hustle along. Let let's let me let me very very quickly tell folks. So I had a a really interesting day at the World Series of Poker, uh, the circuit event that I attended in Cherokee, North Carolina. It was a no limit hold'em event. There were about nine hundred and fifty people in the event. I was doing really really well. We started with fifteen thousand in chips 
At one point I was over a hundred grand in chips. I was doing very, very nicely. I probably was at a point where I could have gone like, you know, sort of slowed down a lot and I probably could have made it to the money, which, you know, would have doubled my, my buy-in, but it would have meant that there would be no way that I would do good, like, you know, make it toward the very end of the tournament. So I chose not to slow down, which means you have to continue to be risky to continue to make gambles. I got knocked out in 240th place, 950 people, 240th place, but I was about a hundred spots away from making the money, but I, I played well. It was fine. I'll tell you the worst part about it was I was exhausted the whole time. Like I had that bad ride up to Duke and then the Duke game didn't end till late. We didn't get into our hotel until like 2 a.m. I didn't get very much sleep. And so my concentration was not where it needed to be. Jason, in, in after all that, you were still you still made the buy uh, of the tournament, right? You, you're not you didn't make the double buy, but you made the buy. So no, 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 no. I, I did not get anything back. All my buy in went to other people. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, <laughs> buy as in like the ACC has a buy where you do not play that. Oh, day. sure. Yeah. You were in the yeah. top half of the ACC. So you're oh, easily you were in yeah. the buy region. You're about where Duke is right now. Yeah, that that's a good. I, I like hey, that. that works. Excuse me, Duke. I believe is the top ACC team in Ken Palm and in the net right now. So they are. You know, just just saying. <laughs> Speaking of Duke, oh God, I can't believe how much time we wasted on this today. Speaking of Duke, let's get to our game against NC State that is coming up on Tuesday. Uh, the NC State Wolfpack is a very very interesting team, and they are the team that is vying with Duke directly for fifth place currently in the ACC. Unlike Duke, NC State doesn't have enough games left so that they could rise up to finish in fourth in the conference. I don't believe there's a scenario where NC State finishes fourth. I may be wrong, but I don't think there's one. So this is a big game for them to sort of determine whether they finish fifth or sixth or maybe seventh. There are also some weird scenarios where they may finish seventh. Seventh. Anyway, this is their last game of the ACC season. They will not be playing this weekend. They have a big, long break before the uh, before the ACC tournament starts Let's begin. Donald, why don't you start me? Because you usually look at what are the results, what have they been doing lately? Things seem to be going great for NC State, and then they like kind of have hit a couple speed bumps lately, haven't they? Yeah, so since they faced us, that was back on January 4th, which does seem like a lifetime ago this like this the season, which is so many things happening. Uh, but they've gone 10 and 4 since they played us back in January 4th. They're 22 and 8 overall, 12 and 7 in the ACC, and Jason you mentioned they're just one game behind Duke. Uh, they are currently in sixth place in the standings. They do have a couple of key wins. Uh, they played Miami, beat them at home in overtime. Uh, that was pretty good. They also beat UNC in overtime. Or I'm sorry, not in overtime, but they also beat them at home. Uh, their losses, they've lost to Clemson twice. They lost to UNC in conference, UVA in conference, and Syracuse in conference. But I think this is one where they still need like another statement win to kind of ensure they get into the NCAA tournament. Right now, Lenardi has them as an eighth seed. And they have an opportunity to maybe move up between this game and the ACC tournament if they do, you know, fairly well. Uh, but right now, at this point, this is the type of, you know, game where for NC State, the only thing they can do really is, is kind of play themselves out of it if they play like we played in Raleigh on January 4th. So their idea is not to do that. If you remember back on January 4th, this was one of those games where we just, you know, we just got smoked like a neck bone the entire game. We didn't shoot well. We shot 42% from two. 33% from three. We didn't even shoot well from the free throw line. We had 22 turnovers. They had two guys that scored over 20 points. They had a guy named DJ Burns who rarely plays, who scored 18 points and had four blocks. Like 
They have well, a bunch wait, of- wait, 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 wait. DJ Burns, uh, maybe he wasn't playing a ton at the time. That game. He at has turned into stud central for them. It's funny how that works. When you play Duke and you do well, you actually gain confidence and you play well the rest yeah. of the season. But before then, there was when we even did our preview back then, DJ Burns was not a man that we mentioned that often. So this is this is a game where Duke needs to show that, hey, that was just an aberration. We played like crap over there. We're not going to do that in our last home game of the season, a game which, as you both know, we can finish the season undefeated at home, a perfect 16-0 and if we win this game. So I'm sure that is on the minds of these guys, too, as they enter tomorrow night. Yeah, that's a big, big deal. Hey, Sam, you know, really quick before we get to anything else, it's just kind of kind of weird that NC State's ending their season before everyone else in the ACC, isn't it? Yeah, the, the uh, you mentioned how, uh, and I, I was looking at this while Donald was talking to confirm. You said that uh, you don't think NC State can make the the double buy, which I think is right because uh, Virginia and Clemson play each other this week, and Miami also only has one ACC game left. So Miami gets a buy in this in this against Pitt, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so Miami's got a got the buy in the middle of this week and NC state doesn't play on Saturday before the ACC tournament. So NC state's last uh, conference game, last regular season game is tomorrow against Duke. And then they get a week off before the ACC tournament. So I guess this is just one of those weird scheduling byproducts of having so many teams in the conference and, and also having an uneven uh, number here. So Yo, f- 15 teams, there's, there's no way to have everybody play. Exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and I guess they didn't want to schedule into that slot a uh, one one more non-conference game. So it is a bit of a weird situation to, to Donald's point about how Duke can go undefeated at home here. Uh, on the flip side, NC State can pour all of their energy into this one. They obviously would, would like to have another win against a tournament-bound team to solidify their tournament status because you could also see, look, if they don't, if they don't perform well in this game, they get bounced in the first round of the ACC tournament, then they also might be in danger of, of showing up on the bubble. They're probably still in. I think think they're probably still in, but you know, yeah, it gets, it gets dicey for them. And and the reality is I think a win, if they become the only team to beat Duke in Cameron this season, a win over Duke is probably a seed line bump. I mean, like Donald said, they're, they're like an eight or a nine right now. If they beat Duke here, then, then suddenly you start thinking, you know, are they are they in line for a seven or maybe even a six? I want to go back to the first game because Donald was talking about some of the stuff that NC State did in that game that was so effective. I want us to, you know, not spend too much time dwelling here because it is a bit of a house of horrors. But look at how different Duke is from that game to what we think of as Duke as of the last like week or two. Jeremy Roach went. 0 for 8 from the field in that game, had one assist and one turnover. We know recently that Jeremy Roach has been on a scoring binge and and has become... His, his foot was still bothering him at that point. Sure. Yeah. So so he's healthy now. The other guy um, who I, I don't think was quite performing at his best at that point was Tyrese Proctor. Uh, also had a, had a pretty poor game against NC State. You can go back and listen to the whole recap. But uh, one assist, four turnovers for Proctor in that game. And... And so you anticipate that that Duke's backcourt is going to be a lot more sort of in shape for this one. And then looking at the front court, Derek Lively, uh, still, at, I guess, at this point in the season was, uh, you know, this, this was in early January. Lively was still, it felt like, coming back from from the injuries and, and was still kind of integrating. 
he has probably made the most progress in the time from that first game until this game. And so I anticipate a much bigger performance from Lively in this one to hold down NC State's scoring barrage that they had uh, at PNC. Well, and part of that, we mentioned him briefly, but I, I think one of the, if not the key matchup of this game is Derek Lively guarding DJ Burns of NC State because he has really, State has really been going to DJ Burns a lot more lately. If you look at like his usage statistics, when he gets the ball, he tries to make something happen and usually try to make something happen means he tries to shoot it. Um, he had 31 points against Wake the other day. He had 24 against Clemson and Georgia Tech, 21 um, uh, in another game they had against Wake Forest. Uh, it, he is he is a 280-pound load who will really try to push Derek Lively around. This is a different matchup than what Lively had has faced you know, thus far this season, I think, and it's going to be a really interesting one you know, to see if Derek can avoid being shoved around by this big guy. And and then the other thing is DJ Burns, sort of the way he operates in the post, it's not it's not sort of a power over you kind of game. He does a lot, he has a really soft touch. He does a lot of sort of shooting from funky angles and stuff. And it's not the kind of thing I think that Lively's going to necessarily be, you know, ready to block. But I really hope if if DJ Burns isn't going well, NC State becomes a team that's solely reliant on on their outside perimeter guys. Now the perimeter guys are great. We should talk about Jarkel Joyner and Turquavion Smith. We'd we'd be crazy if we weren't talking extensively about them. But I think one of the things the reason one of the reasons State is so good is because of what Burns has brought to them. And if Lively is able to neutralize that even a little bit, this State team takes a big step back. I think that Lively has improved that aspect of his game a lot in the last two months, and that. You know, Burns, like you said, Jason, is going to be a little bit of a different beast for Lively to defend. But one of the things that I've noticed about Lively the last few weeks is that he seems to be one or two moves ahead of the guys who he's defending. He puts himself in good position to get the 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 help side block as well as the primary defender block. And so there's I, I like that progress sort of makes me feel a lot more confident that he will adjust to what Burns is doing. And if that means that that he's, you know, stepping a couple feet farther out from the basket to get those blocks, I still think that that Lively is going to perform a lot better. And look, you look at that game, DJ Burns was seven for 10 from uh, from the field against Duke. We very much hope that that does not repeat in the matchup on Tuesday. Yeah, I was going to say that Derek Lively played 12 minutes in that first game. He only had one point. He had three rebounds. This is not the Derek Lively that we've seen over the last couple of weeks where he's getting, you know, he's, you know, getting closer to 10 rebounds. He's doing three, four, five blocks at times. Sometimes he has eight, you know, when when the, the uh, team is wearing a little paler blue. Uh, but I, I think Derek Lively, this is probably the matchup that he probably hopefully has had circled for a while because, you know, like we've all mentioned, DJ Burns kind of had his coming out party for the season against us. And Derek Lively was kind of the unfortunate recipient of that coming out party. So I think this is one where he can go, hey, I can redeem myself uh, against DJ Burns by having a good game against him and Cameron. You know, guys, there are a couple players I want to mention really quick. You know, we have to we have to talk about Turquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner, who combined to score 45 points last time against Duke. These are both guys who are incredibly explosive scorers. They are. You know, you know, sort of like North Carolina, where they shoot lots of threes off the dribble. Both these guys are very willing to take pull up three point jumpers, um, but they also are 
outstanding at diving into the lane. Uh, I, you know, I think I think this is arguably the best backcourt in the ACC. No offense to to Roach and Proctor uh, and and to the guys at Miami, but when when Joiner and and Smith are on, those guys are they're a real real handful. And then the other guy that I think people need to look out for, and it's going to be very interesting to see. But you know, this could be another one of these things that is the, the determinant of the game. Does Jack Clark play? Jack Clark is NC State's six nine power forward who plays next to DJ Burns. He grabs a lot of rebounds. He's a, a very efficient player, a very efficient scorer for them. He's been really good when he hasn't been hurt. He has been on and off the court so much. He's been hurt so much. They're currently saying that he's a game-time decision, day-to-day. They don't know. I don't think he played in their last game. This game's just coming a couple days afterwards, so I think it's somewhat unlikely, but he's yet another guy who can make a big difference for them. And if they don't have him, I think they struggle perhaps with what they deal with uh, Kyle Filipowski. Jason, going back to the backcourt for NC State, one of the bugaboos, I would say, that Duke had in that game, one of the many, is that uh, Duke lost the the turnover margin on that one, 21 to 6, including two steals by Joyner, uh, I think three by Turquavion Smith, another three by Greg Gant. So NC State was all up in Duke's business in that first game, and and that's going to be a key for Duke. Is is I don't know if Duke can entirely flip that <laughs> that turnover margin around but at least getting it to something closer to parity would be would be a huge boon for Duke's chances. Well, yeah, and and the thing about NC State is uh they are one of the five best teams in the country at not turning the ball over. They're just an incredible ball handling team. Now, they're good, you know, they're like um, average, maybe a little bit above average in terms of forcing turnovers. Um I I I wonder if Duke is going to Duke has been super successful at not turning the ball over lately. That is a big reason why the team has turned things around. We've done that against teams that don't get a lot of turnovers like Notre Dame, Syracuse, uh, the teams we've been playing lately, Virginia tech are not teams that turn teams over a lot. So that could be part of why Duke has done so well at, at not turning the ball over. We're facing the right opponents. NC state is a little bit better than those teams, but not like, they're not like, you know, incredible. They're not like the best team in the ACC at getting turnovers or anything like that. So it, I, I agree with you. If we can keep that number close, you know, if we're within, I don't know, like four turnovers of NC State, that would be a big win for Duke because NC State is not a great rebounding team. Where What they do great on turnovers, they don't do that great at rebounds. Duke just needs to keep that turnover battle close, like you said. And I think the rebounds will will really provide a boost for us. Last thing I think, that we need to, you know, worry about for tomorrow and not necessarily worry about, but we'll be present tomorrow. The the one thing that I've been preaching all year has been energy and intensity. What do we not have in Raleigh back on January 4th? Energy and intensity. What will be palpable in Cameron Indoor Stadium tomorrow? Energy and intensity. So let's hope it translates to the court. I love that. Amen, brother. With that, we're going to wrap it up here on the latest edition of DBR Bites, our preview of the game against the NC State Wolfpack. We'll be back with more bites and more analysis of Duke in coming days. Until then, I'm Jason, Sam, he's Donald, and this is the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. <laughs>